Hey, podcast fam, Eric here. And if you're an affiliate marketer or looking to monetize your online presence, you need to know about ShareASale.com. ShareASale is not just an affiliate network. It's your gateway to a world of opportunities. With thousands of high-paying affiliate programs across various niches, ShareASale connects you with top brands ready to collaborate with content creators like you. Imagine earning commissions for simply sharing products you love. Whether you're into fashion, tech, or lifestyle, Share a Sale has got a partnership waiting for you. Ready to turn your passion into profits? Head over to milwaukeemafia.com slash share a sale and sign up today. It's free, it's easy, and, it, and it's your ticket to unlocking a new revenue stream for your business. You're listening to Milwaukee Mafia, your podcast dose of Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Milwaukee Mafia. I'm Eric. I'm Gavin. Gavin, we're back again. What do you got for us? Anything? Or, or did you oh, forget no, to do... Oh, uh, no, it's... <laughs> I, I got nothing. Uh, no, so... Uh, well, first of all, I'd like to give a shout out... To his drink. To my drink. To, uh, to Liquid Death Mountain Water. Ooh. Yeah. That sounds terrible. So is it just literally water? It's literally just water, so not even just, flavored. It's just water with a cool can. Yep, just <laughs> right. water. This this can of water was given to me by uh, by John Pata, and uh, who's a local movie maker. How is John Pata doing? John Pata's doing great. Is he still making movies? He is. He, he's got. He just finished up uh, a movie editing. Uh, right now, so he's sending it off to get it, uh, get the sound and whatnot over the top of it. Awesome! Uh, it's called Black Mold, so everybody look out for that. Black Mold. Huh? But anyway, <laughs> so Liquid Death was a sponsor on that movie, which is why I now have a can of Liquid Death. Calling Liquid Death to sponsor the Milwaukee Mafia podcast. Yeah. It's literally just water. <laughs> they also have sparkling water, but this is regular water. All right. So review of the water. Oh, it's good. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's plain, it's absolutely plain water. It's not flavored, so it's it's water. It can't disappoint. It really. can't disappoint, but their 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 uh, deal is they put it in a can um, under the idea that cans are more recyclable than plastic bottles are. Ah. Um, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of that, but that's the... That's the theory, is that it's a better environmental water than a bottled water is. And I would agree with that, because it's more likely that a can's going to get recycled oh, heck than yeah. a bottle. Oh, heck so. yeah. So that's that's the idea behind it. But yeah, it's just water. But it's good. Awesome. If you like water. All right. So on to more important things. <laughs> no, that was, that was very important. People need to know. Yeah, so... You might recall a while back uh, on the Patreon, uh, and for people who don't remember, we have a Patreon where we talk about other related things uh, to the Milwaukee Mafia. And some sort of unrelated things, but that's okay. Yes, but uh, for the low, low cost of, I believe it's just a dollar a month. Two dollars, I believe. Is it two dollars a month? Yes, it's a little spendy. It's a little spendy. Okay, it's a little spendy, (laughs) but you get two episodes a month. It's a dollar an episode, and it's, it's a good time. So anyway... Um, a while back on there, we had somebody ask about the connection between Milwaukee and Louisiana or New Orleans. Okay. Um, and we answered that question. I don't really remember that, but but we've had a lot of questions asking about connections between different places. Yes. So. Well, anyway, so we are back to that. So this is going to be that 
but we're actually I I've fleshed it out a little bit more. So okay. uh, it's still really hard to follow. So bear <laughs> bear with me this time, everybody. Um, but uh, I'll try to I'll try to do this. So the guys we're talking about now are James Joseph Donahue the third and Frank Highland Russell. And these are guys, these are Milwaukee guys. They're not mob guys. They're just guys from Milwaukee. They're both uh, successful businessmen. Uh, James Donahue uh, is in a business in Milwaukee, the Industrial Disposal Company. And he's also a diplomat between uh, the United States and other countries, most notably the Dominican Republic. And Frank Russell is a diamond importer. So he knows other people, you know, internationally as well because he's importing diamonds. So these are these are big international guys who just happen to live in Milwaukee. So there's that. One day, Donahue and Russell are in conversation. This is in 1961. They're in conversation, and Donahue has learned that Carlos Marcello, who is the head of the mafia in New Orleans, he's in a bit of trouble because for, he's constantly under threat of being deported. The government's been trying to deport this guy for 10 years at this point. <laughs> so he's constantly under threat, and he's like, we got we to gotta help this guy out. Now, why Donahue cares, I have no idea. But he talks to Russell about it, and Russell says, I think I, I, think I can help this guy out. Why Russell cares, I don't know. But allegedly, uh, there's a cash reward if you can help him. So I'm guessing that that is the incentive here. Not that they really have any personal interest. So... The, so there's a cash reward to help him not get deported? Yes. So who's paying the cash reward? He is. Oh, so he makes a cash reward available to anybody that can. Oh, the okay, okay. the mob guy. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. All right. Okay. And he's, so he's been dragging this through the courts for 10 years because he got caught on this, on this BS. And I'll even say it's BS. I don't normally take a position, but I'm going to take a position on this one. Uh, so, like, in 1938, it's a long time ago, Marcello um, was arrested and did some jail time for dealing in marijuana. Okay. He did his time. He got out. Everyone said, we're cool. Then in 1952, the federal government changed the immigration laws and said, anyone who's not a citizen, if they have a past criminal record, you can deport them. Okay. So, then he becomes a target. Not only because he's not a citizen, but because he's a big mob okay. guy. And so he's been fighting this in the courts for like 10 years because he's like, this is this is complete crap. Like, I got arrested. I did my jail time. He said I was cool. You can't come back 10 years <laughs> later and then, and then kick me out for that. I've already established a family and everything else here. Um, and, and I would tend to agree with him. Like, getting him in trouble, passing a law that, that changes something he did in the past seems pretty unfair. I would totally agree with that, too. That sounds like they're just searching for a loophole to get them out. I yeah. mean, that's really what it is. Yeah. If you pass a law and you say anybody who's caught breaking the law and they're not a citizen, you can deport them. That's a, absolutely. That makes sense. But then saying, like, let's go back to the books and see anyone but who's yeah, ever broken a law. <laughs> seems kind of unfair. But anyways, so Russell thinks he can help out. Uh, he gets the number to call. So he calls New Orleans. Um, he's talking to people. He says, I think I got an idea. I think I can help. And the guy that he talks to is not Carlos. But he talks to Carlos's brother, Sam. And he says, okay, you know, we're interested. 
but here's the thing. We don't know you. We got to make sure you're cool. So Frank Russell talks to Frank Balistrieri. I don't know how they know each other. I don't even know if they do know each other. But he talks to Balistrieri and he says, hey, I'm trying to help out Marcelo and whatever. And Balistrieri's like, it's cool. I got your back. So they are in a room together and they call back to New Orleans. And Frank Russell's talking to them. And then Balistrieri comes on the line. He goes, yeah, this guy's cool. He's totally fine to work with. Don't worry. It's fine. So now, would Frank Balistrieri know this guy from New Orleans? Or See, just... that's, that's the thing. Later on, they asked, the FBI asked Frank Russell how Balistrieri knew Marcelo, and he didn't know. He assumed that they just knew each other because they were both top mob guys, but he didn't know if they've ever actually met. Like, so so it might have just been a thing of, I'm a mob boss, you're a mob boss, I'm saying this guy's a good guy right. to work with, and and that could be a, the extent of their relationship. Right. This could be actually be the first time they're ever meeting. Well, not meeting, well, but talking. talking. Yeah, yeah, it could be. And it's like, at this point in time, like, this is 1961, anybody, like, you didn't have to be in the mob to know who Marcelo was. He was getting headlines all the time because... The government wanted him deported, and he was fighting it. So he was he was pretty well known. Um, Bell Street at this point was not very well known. So I don't know. You know, I don't know how that works. Like in the background, if if every so often you get like updates, being like, so here's the new mob <laughs> guys around the country. <laughs> I don't know, but but apparently Marcelo knew that he was okay. Good. You know, be like, oh yeah, Bell Street's the guy. I don't know, but. But we don't know if they've ever met before this or if they just knew of each other's reputation. It's not very clear. And, in fact, going forward in this story, there's really nothing to do with Milwaukee Mafia or anything going forward in this story. But be- just because Bell Street plays this small role in it, that's why it's on this podcast. It's going to get weird from here on out. <laughs> All right. So... Russell says, you know, I can help you out. And Marcelo's like, yeah, that's cool. I'm, I'm offering this million-dollar reward uh, to anyone who can prevent my deportation. Again, the government's been trying to deport him for years. They throw around some ideas. One idea is that they say, you know who the government hates even more than the mafia? They hate Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> so how about this? How about we work out a deal where we get guys who hate Jimmy Hoffa to testify against him for the government if the government will let us go. That's one idea they toss around. They don't really follow through much on that. Uh, Still 1961, Frank Russell goes to Washington, D.C. There he meets up in a hotel room with Carlos Marcello and this James Donahue guy. Um, They're in Russell's room. While there, they... Talk about General Rafael Trujillo, or I'm I'm sure I butchered that. But anyway, he's the dictator of the Dominican Republic. So Donahue knows the dictator of the Dominican (laughs) Republic because he used to be like the diplomat between these places. I'm starting to remember this story now. Okay. Again, so. (laughs) Yeah. So their plan is, okay, so you've got a million dollars you're willing to pay to not get deported. How about we split that money and we give 200000 of that million to the dictator? And in exchange, he helps create fake birth certificates and fake identification saying that you were born in 
the Dominican Republic. That way, if you do get deported, it's not a big deal. You're just the Dominican Republic. <laughs> you can come back anytime you want. <laughs> so it doesn't completely solve the problem, but it's a workaround. Yeah. So that's an idea they, they toss around. Uh, it doesn't end up happening, but they that's one thing they discuss. Okay, so before they could even even do that, this is something they discuss. Um, two months later, before they get anything really going, the Justice Department, under the direction of Attorney General Bobby Kennedy, they seize Carlos Marcelo while he's at a routine visit to the immigration office. Now, apparently, because he's not a citizen, he has to check in periodically for whatever reason. I don't understand how that works, but I guess he regularly goes to the immigration office. So he just thinks he's going there like any other day. But on this particular day, he goes there and they grab him. Well, here's the thing. So he didn't have these forged Dominican Republic documents yet, but he had it already enacted a similar plan in the, ba- in the previous time before these other guys got on board. And he had forged documents saying that he was born in Guatemala. <laughs> The government knew that he wasn't from Guatemala. I mean, this this guy is a Sicilian. He's not from Guatemala. But that's what his documents say. (laughs) So they grab him. They put him on a military plane. And they fly him to Guatemala. And they drop him off there in the middle of nowhere. So I'm a little confused by this point. Yeah. So, so like, immigration documents. Like, so does the... Does the government not, not have copies of these documents? You just keep them on you, and every time you go see immigration, because I have no idea. Yeah, like like how do you get fake documents? To, like because they must have looked at his documents the last time he checked in. Yeah, and they didn't say Guatemala. So how do they explain now? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There's somebody out there who probably knows immigration better. Or knows, you know, about the New Orleans mafia. Like that's not something I'm very knowledgeable about. Um, like I said, I'm gonna. I'm telling this the best I can. There's gonna be some gaps in here because I don't fully get it. <laughs> but, but this is the parts that I'm I'm able to determine. So, this Guatemala part of it, yeah, was this was this in the original story or is this stuff you figured out since we did the Patreon? I have, I, I have greatly expanded this since the original version. Okay. Like, because I don't remember the Guatemala part I don't think it was day. in there. Yeah. I don't think it was in there. So, okay. He's deported. He's, he's deported to Guatemala in April of 1961. Okay? Okay. He's there. He's in Guatemala. Not enjoying himself. <laughs> May 1961. He's still in Guatemala. While he's there, the CIA assassinates... The dictator of the Dominican Republic. <laughs> wow. So that plan isn't going to <laughs> work. anymore. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's off the table. This, this guy is no longer an option because he's dead. Anyway, so there's that. Then a month after that, uh, Marcelo is back in the United States from Guatemala. No one's really quite sure how he, he got, got back, back in, in. <laughs> but he got back in. Russell and Donahue were still talking to each other this whole time, and they're like, "Okay, we gotta, we gotta help this guy out." Um, they're they're hearing word that he's back, and they're like, "Okay, so the deal's still on. If he's back, he's still gonna pay us to not get deported. Like, back on the table." So they're working with this, trying to figure out something. Um, they're calling New Orleans. New Orleans is calling back uh, to Milwaukee. 
Um, he's got an office. Frank Russell's got an office in the Plankinton Arcade, um, which I mean, I don't, I don't even think it's there anymore. But maybe it is. Maybe she's called something different. But uh, people from Milwaukee might know where that is. It's at uh, seventy-one seventy Plankinton. <laughs> so, anyway, so they're talking back and forth, and eventually, Carlos's brother Sam says, "You guys don't, you don't need to do anything more." We've got it figured out. Everything's cool. So at this point, things should be slowing down. But Russell and Donahue continue to talk to each other. They're thinking, okay, we gotta, we gotta help this guy out some more, right? At this point, the FBI has caught wind of some of this stuff. So they come in, they talk to Russell, Frank Russell, and he breaks down almost immediately. And he tells them the whole story up to this point, which is how we know it, because... He's like, here's everything we've been doing to try to help this guy out. He goes, these are the people he knows. Um, he's also, he says, Donahue's also a friend with a, with a, another friend of Bobby Kennedy. So he's got mutual friends with Bobby Kennedy. So he's like, that's how we were going to do the Jimmy Hoffa thing by talking to the mutual friend. He goes, we had this all planned out. He even says, I'm going to tell you how he got back into the U.S. from Guatemala. Okay. So Frank Russell apparently... Has some high-level friends in Guatemala. <laughs> He's friends with um, a guy named Guillermo Flores Avendano, who was the Guatemalan ambassador to Rome, for some reason, and a man named George Ruiz, who was a colonel in the Guatemalan Air Force and the head of an airline, a private airline. And by knowing these guys, they were able to work out a deal where Marcelo was flown on the private airline back into the U.S., yes. Okay. So they smuggled him back in by knowing guys in the Guatemalan government. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there's a lot of back and forth um, with with Donahue and Russell talking to each other. But at this point, nothing really seems to happen. They, they don't come up with a new plan. Nothing really goes forward from there. And then finally, for the, for the last time, Russell is contacted by the FBI in 1962. So a little over a year since this has all started. They said, if you learn anything new about this since, since this whole thing kind of fell through? And he goes, no, I don't know anything more about it. He said, you know what? I'm, I'm done with this whole thing. I'm going to go take a European vacation. <laughs> um, I, I'm not going to be back for a few months. You guys handle this yourself. And the FBI office cut off contact with him at that point. Another year goes by, 1963, and Marcelo goes on trial for conspiracy to defraud the United States government. How was he defrauding the government? By using false Guatemalan documents. <laughs> uh, he ends up getting acquitted on that charge and is never deported at any point in time. It doesn't hurt his case that even though he did have forged documents, that he was defrauding the government with, the government willingly knew that and used them <laughs> against <laughs> him. So they didn't come out looking so great on that either. Wow. So anyway, I don't. There's a whole lot. There's a lot of convoluted stuff because I don't fully get all like the international stuff. Long story short, there's two guys in Milwaukee. They're trying to get the mob boss in New Orleans not deported. He gets deported anyway. They help him get back in. Thanks to corrupt government officials, and the only really Milwaukee connection, other than that these two guys are from Milwaukee, is yes. that to get the okay to help him out, 
they had to have Frank Balistrieri say, "Yeah, these guys are, or at least the one guy is okay to work with." And so uh, it's it's a very very loose Milwaukee Mafia story, but it's it's a wild story. And I will say, Gavin, that yeah. I think you really cleared it up from the Patreon. Okay, because I. I remember being like, what the heck's going on in this story yeah. in the Patreon? And this this makes a lot more sense. Yeah, well, it's so th- it was hard to get it to this point, to be completely honest with you. So these documents, these FBI documents came out of um, the JFK investigation, of all things. So the, the JFK investigation, like Carlos Marcello was one guy who they investigated a lot. So when the documents started going public in the last few years, these documents became public. But they've been releasing them in a really crappy way, where they'll do like two pages here, five pages there. I think when we did it like the first time, I didn't have it all all together. This time I really went out of my way to look up every individual person and try to put their pieces in it because... the. All of this should all have been one big document. That isn't the way it was released. <laughs> so, like the document on Marcelo says one thing, the document on Donnie says another, and you got to to get the whole story. You got to piece it together. So, I I probably missed something the first time I'm, through that didn't add up. This time, the story is convoluted, but it actually makes sense. sense. It's just really weird, and I still think there's more out there. There's probably more pieces that. I couldn't find or they haven't been released yet, but it's wacky stuff. So I think I probably asked this the first time too. Sure. But these two guys that are helping him out, the yeah. two from Milwaukee, so it's it's what Donahue or Donahue and, and Russell. Russell. Yeah. So do they really do they have connections at all to the Milwaukee Mafia? Because No. So like did they even know Frank Balistrieri at the point where they brought Frank Balistrieri into this? I don't do you know. know? I like, don't know. Like, that's the thing. So, uh, Donahue has no connection whatsoever, as far as I can tell. Now, he apparently already knew Marcelo. So, he's got that. But the only connection to the Milwaukee Mafia is that that one moment when Balistrieri and Russell are in the same room on the phone. And from what little I can gather, it doesn't seem like. Like, they're friends. Or, yeah, and it's not like you ever see any reference of Russell yeah. at other, any other point. Other than point. this one incident, Russell never shows up in documents again. Yeah, and it seems like, because he was the one that, wasn't he like a diplomat to some other? No, Donahue's the diplomat. Okay. Fra- Frank Russell's a diamond importer. Okay. So, I mean, it'd be really cool to make a connection there. Be like, oh, the mob knows a guy who imports diamonds, because... There'd, there'd probably be some really cool behind-the-scenes stuff there about, you know, getting wholesale diamonds or whatever. But no, it's not there. Like, if there is, if they did know each other, if they had any kind of business going beyond that one day, it's not in the records. So I don't know. And, okay, so it makes sense that Donahue had probably access to people and resources that could help this guy. Yes. How did Russell fall, fit into this? No clue. Like again, I mean, it's through the diamond importing. Like he knows a lot of foreign people, but I don't know how that makes it a Guatemalan connection. Mm-hmm. I, I guess maybe I don't know, but I don't think Guatemala is known for, for its diamonds. diamonds. Yeah. So, so yeah, I don't who know. knew who had the connections to Guatemala? Did did, did you see Russell that? did Russell did? Yeah. Okay. So maybe he was just connected and 
some other way to a lot of different places, you know, like maybe he yeah. just, I mean, maybe this I don't is know. I did. mean, it could be. And I don't know if you know this, but the diamond market is kind of shady. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if, if he was dealing with questionable people. And he could have been exporting diamonds to Guatemala. He could have. You know, that, could have. that totally would make sense as yes. well. So, yes. Interesting. So I don't know. There's like I said, there's I think there's still pieces that are missing and they may or may not be out there. This is entirely like a hundred percent from the FBI documents. Like it didn't make the news or anything. So it's just completely the FBI documents. And the FBI didn't care about Russell or Donahue. I mean, they cared a little bit, just that like they had to like background check them to make sure they were okay. But their main thing is they're trying to get dirt on Marcello. So the Milwaukee connection is so minor in the way they were approaching it. So I, I, if there's more out there, I want to see it. I want to like, I want something to really click here because even though the story makes sense, it raises a lot of questions. Yeah. And I, if I remember correctly, when we did the Patreon, you had mentioned a lot of like questions about whether Frank Balistrieri would have ever been involved in this. Do you remember that? And whether you think- he would have been involved in what yeah. way? Well, I think you just said like the whole fact that he was in that room making that phone call. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless maybe I don't remember. Does does the FBI files have a tapped call? That sh- no, that this is just testimony. And right? I th- yeah. If- no, no. At no point did at least during this. At least during this, they didn't bug the phones. They went back and they checked the phone records. So they knew who was calling who, but that's it. They don't know what anybody said. And I think I remember us talking about that it seems suspicious that how Frank Balistrieri would have been brought into that. Would I think it is suspicious. Like, and It makes sense that they'd want to get this Russell guy okayed before they bring him in, because they're obviously doing something very questionable. Um, but, but yeah, I don't know... Because I don't know the link between Russell and Balistrieri, and I don't even know if there is one. That's what I find so strange, is that he's he's sticking his neck out. He's being like, yeah, this guy is cool. Cool, yeah. How does he know this guy is cool? cool? Because you we have no idea that he's ever done any business with right. him before, ever. So, yeah, that is very suspicious. Yeah. As well as... Yeah, I mean, see, now we're going off on a tangent. But yeah, but but it's a good point, because this guy could be an undercover agent or a, or an informant or something and be like, Hey, um, I need, you're okay to work with Marcelo. And then Bellstreet's like, yeah, this guy's cool. And now Bellstreet just totally set up Marcelo. You know, that's not the case, but I mean, but that's what could have happened if he didn't know the guy. And I also feel like there's a good possibility that Frank Bellstreet would have known who Marcelo was. Right. But like you I said, know, I don't, again, whether they knew each other personally, I know that he knew who he was. was. Yeah. But on the flip side, you said Frank Balistrieri wasn't really a big name at this point right. in time. So for Marcelo to actually know Frank Balistrieri, if they didn't know each other personally, yeah, would have been kind of a stretch. Right. So not only is he vouching for a guy that is very suspicious that he would vouch for because it doesn't seem like he knows him. Right. But at the same time, Marcelo trusting Frank Balistrieri could be suspicious too. It to is a, re- to a point. It is reasonable that if he realizes he's running the mafia in Milwaukee that yeah. he might take that might be enough for him. But Yeah, I think I think that he would probably know that or at least be able to 
to verify to, to figure it out very quickly. quickly. Yeah, I mean, then again, it could be like, how does he know? Like when another guy comes on the phone line and being like, "Yeah, this is Frank, and this guy is cool." Like, how does he know, know that, that is him? Mm-hmm. Even I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of questions here, but. Uh, and if anybody knows, like I said, I by no stretch of the imagination uh, do I know much about New Orleans or or any of that. So if somebody does, and this is something they've looked into more, I mean, definitely let me know because and I, somebody I, probably knows a lot more about this. Uh, I don't know who that person is, and everybody in this story is dead. I mean, Donnie, Russell, Belstreet—they're all gone. So, and hopefully, maybe someday. We can make a connection between Russell and Balistrieri. I would love that. I would love if that it very was, much. If it's out there somewhere, because it could be very much fair, buried in one of those uh, yeah. reports that you probably have sitting on your computer it that you be. haven't completely gone through yet. It could or, be. Or the hundred reports that you're waiting for the FBI to finally print off be. and scan for you. Yeah, and it <laughs> so. could be. It could just be as simple as guy has an office downtown and, and Balistrieri runs clubs downtown. So they just, you know... They, they know they, each other. They run into each other while having dinner, dinner or something. Or something. Yeah. And yeah. maybe they didn't even really ever do business together. But, right. And that's actually reasonable because we we always talk about Balistrieri as just as the mob boss. Yeah. But he was also very much a big business owner in Milwaukee. Oh, sure. Which in big business owners, no other big business owners. Yeah. So it's reasonable to be that they have experience with each other from yeah. that. So yeah, I don't. It sounds funny to call him a big business owner, but but yeah, but he was involved in 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 the bar and restaurant business. You know a lot of people if you're in the bar and right. restaurant business, so, exactly. Yeah. So all right, well, is there anything else to this? No, or? that's it. I'm just I mean, I'm just hoping somebody else out there has answers and they short and sweet. And they shoot them our way at at MilwaukeeMafia at Gmail dot com. Yeah, all of our resident experts of the New Orleans Mafia, send us an email and give us more info on this because we want to know. Yeah, so. yeah, I would have reached out to somebody, but I don't really have a great contact for for New Orleans, New Orleans. stuff. So, fortunately, well, wherever you are, reach yeah. out to Gavin. So, <laughs> yeah. So, all right, then we will wrap this episode up. Gavin, you do your contact info. Yeah, like I said, Milwaukee Mafia at gmail dot com is a great way to reach me or us. Uh, MilwaukeeMafia.com is the website. These notes will go up there along with all previous show notes. And uh, you can also find me on Facebook, although we just had a meeting yesterday where I was told not to tell people (laughs) to look on Facebook. But you can find it there if you prefer it. All right, and then we will be back next week with the Patreon. So if you're not a Patreon member, make sure to get over to MilwaukeeMafia.com, click on the Patreon link, subscribe. Become a, a listener and get access to those extra two episodes. They're very fun. They are fun. As well as informational. So, and as always, leave a review on your favorite podcast player. And we will be back in one week with the Patreon, two weeks with another Mafia. Right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Cool. Thanks for tuning in to the Milwaukee Mafia podcast. Join us next time for another look back at Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history.